0: Get ready! It's time for motorsports madness, powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Jacob Seelman.
1: What was that? I almost couldn't hear that over over the sound of all my winning from the weekend. (laughs) Well, you didn't win everything. I didn't win everything, but I won against all the rest of you guys. That counts for something. uh, How did you do that? Because I ended up having Saturday and Sunday. How
2: did you do that? Well, I had second Saturday and a
1: win Sunday. How did you do that? Because stage points, sir. Oh, because stage points. And that adds up to more (sighs) points than you. Well, Ha! it
2: is what it is. I had a terrible, terrible truck race. That's what killed me. John Hunter at Bad Luck. Can we just open the show and move on and talk about picks at the end like
1: we're supposed to? Well, hey, I just wanted to brag because I haven't gotten to do that all year. No,
2: you've had very little (laughs) to brag about.
1: Anyway. That's just cold. Hi, guys, and all you regular people who are listening out there on pmn (laughs) as opposed (laughs) to us irregular people who are doing the show (laughs) (laughs) we're we're very irregular (laughs) and i can already tell you this has gotten off to an inauspicious start a regular start (laughs) exactly jacob zielman tom baker rents brown cisco scar around the very much round table talking racing here on the performance motorsports network and since you brought up the fact that you won on Sunday, <laughs> we'll just get right to it. Okay. I also can't hear anybody else over the sound of all this Toyota dominance that I predicted three months ago. Hello, Kyle Bush. Welcome to the next round.
2: Yeah. You know, that was, it really was an interesting
1: race because Toyota's led all but a lap. I mean, they yeah. and and for good measure, they've led ninety seven point two percent of all the laps in the last four races at Loudoun. They gave Kyle Larson a pity lap. Um, <laughs> Actually, pit road gave Kyle Larson a pity lap. I said
2: pity lap. Did you not catch <laughs> the, uh, the 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 phrasing I was using? It was a pity lap. I mean, they they gave Kyle a pity lap. It you know, honestly, whatever Toyota's found, or if it's the body or whatever it is. I mean, Chevy and Ford better do their homework quickly Uh, over the winter because, you know, right now they're almost powerless to stop them. Now, that's not to say that I believe that Toyota is going to win the rest of the races of the year because that's not necessarily realistic. You're going to have tracks. I mean, I think Kyle Larson's going to win at least one or two before we're done. But they're just to me, especially out of the Ford camp right now, which was the camp that was the strongest at the beginning of the year. (sighs) They just can't get themselves started. Kevin Harvick <laughs> was good, but not great the last couple of weeks. Kozlowski was there, but he wasn't great. So I don't know. Just uh, right now, Toyota's got it going on, and you look at the tracks that are coming up. They're mile-and-a-half tracks.
3: <laughs> hello, I'm Martin, Martin Truex,
2: Truex, and hello,
1: JGR. I mean, it's going to be very tough to stop them. Well, here's the deal. If you're not making progress, you're inevitably going backwards. And what I've seen from Toyota is, is that they're making progress. They've been making progress, and they've been incrementally getting better all year long. I feel like we got to a point where Ford started off so strong, Rents, that eventually they said, oh, we're, we're good up here. We're okay. And they, unlike Toyota, stopped making progress and eventually stalled out. I feel like that's kind of where we're at. Now, if you ask a Ford guy or Brad Keselowski, they'll disagree wholeheartedly, but that's their job to disagree. It's my prerogative to say, no, sorry, guys, you need to get better. You're failing at getting better right now. Well,
4: the biggest thing with Toyota is the fact that they never stop moving, and I think that's a big thing with their entire program. That is what I said, isn't it? Kind of, Yeah, well, yeah, but (laughs) but they never stop, though. That's the problem is where most teams, as you said, most manufacturers go, okay, we got our win, we're in, but... And yeah, Cisco, they are going places, but, um, and I I like the fact you threw that in there. That's funny. You're funny. Um, but it really just comes down to the fact of they're not content with where they are. They want to keep winning. They want to show the fact that they're here and they mean business and they, they're going to play ball. Ford kind of has their pieces together. And if I'm being honest with you, Chevrolet has really just dropped the ball altogether. They're not really having a great playoffs except for, Maybe Kyle Larson, and if you take out that encumbered finish by Chase Elliott— maybe jimmy johnson that's really about it jimmy and
1: actually it's... overall looked really really good uh, save he for did? well he was running top five yeah. virtually that entire yeah, race he just couldn't touch the 78 or yeah, the 18 the but then again well, nobody well, could touch the 78 and the 18 so as far as the best of everybody else up until the very last two restarts jimmy mm-hmm. johnson was basically running best but in here five. again
2: the, we got to count the last two restarts because they're part of the race and and Okay, Kenseth
1: went forward and Johnson I, went back. I know that, but it's all it. that's all lane position at New Hampshire, no, Cisco. If you, degree, if you get pinned on the bottom of the racetrack on a late race restart or several late race restarts at Loudon, you're inevitably never going to finish as good as your car probably is. And if you get lucky enough to be on the outside of the racetrack for the last couple restarts, you're probably going to finish better than what your race car was because that's how Loudon worked. It was the same way in the July race. Which, oh, by the way – this race was basically kin to that because it was hot on Sunday.
5: Yeah, it was extremely hot. And to your point, I, I think of Matt Kenseth, those last couple of restarts, he just, it was not working for me. He got stuck behind, I believe it was Clint Boyer. Yes, it was. Boyer was yep. up there on the inside and just couldn't go anywhere. Albeit he made his way back up to third. So that sure basically did. dispelled any questions I had of, is Matt Kenseth going to be around in the playoffs? Well, he is because he just finished third, but... I mean New Hampshire is such an odd track because of how flat it is and yet how sweeping the turns are. And I I really I like the racing there. I like you know, this race was actually, you know, you apart do? from, you know, when it turned into a little bit of NIS towards the end of it, I really like the race there. But it you just did.
1: Cisco with an eye racing moment, and Tom completely... Dis- Tom yeah. lost it.
5: Tom broke my... There goes my point. I'll just stop now, because Tom broke my point. I'm Tom sorry, point. I
1: just... Tom, can... Tom finds it amusing that you like Loudon, and I'm with him. <laughs> I, I hated I knew, this.
2: I knew if I kept searching hard enough long enough, I would finally find somebody in the USA who likes NASCAR that actually likes the racing at Loudon. I knew I would find somebody. I'm so excited, Cisco. You're the one.
5: I like it because it allows us to have short track style racing without everybody on top of each other. Which, while while you're going, well, that's not short track racing. Keep in mind, Loudon's a mile long track. They have space to run side-by-side, and they did run side-by-side. It just stinks that in those long green flag portions where nothing happened, Kyle Busch just drove away from the field. I wanted those restarts to go on a little bit longer, but Toyota was just— I mean, Jacob, we spent the first half of this segment talking about how good Toyota is. that uh, That was the entire race.
1: That was the entire race, and before it was Kyle Busch, it was Martin Truex. Now, the first half of the race, in fact, was basically entirely Martin Truex as soon as he took the lead. And then, Rents, the end of stage two happened. And Austin Dillon, in Kevin Harvick's own words, dumped us, end quote. And we had a mighty smoke show that completely, well, didn't completely ruin the 78's day, but certainly ruined his shot at the win because, well, kaboom!
4: it didn't really ruin more Martin Trick's day more than it ruined Kurt Busch's day. Let me Oof, just tell you that. More, that hurt. Because now he's in a must-win situation. Yeah, um, Harvick and Dylan met again, and this time it was kind of on different circumstances and the fact that Dylan pushed up off of two, spun the four around, Harvick having no idea where he is in the smoke show, and kaboom, here comes the 41 right into the door and ends both of their days. And ends Martin Truex's bid for the race win. Now, Truex might have been the story we were all following in terms of the race. I think the bigger story about this, Jacob, is Kurt Busch. Because he already didn't get off to a good start in the playoffs. He was off to a bad foot to begin with. They've had horrible luck since the Daytona 500. And keep in mind, they didn't even have that great of luck in the Daytona 500 because they were involved in Dale Jr.'s crash to begin, I believe, the second segment. So they really haven't really had great success uh, except for that one win.
2: So
1: now I was gonna at say, where 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 do you call Kurt Busch not having luck in the Daytona five hundred? He won the race. Well no, he meant I mean, damaging oh, all that. Yeah, yeah. This but the biggest thing then. now
4: is the fact he's sitting in about last to second to last in the points, I believe. I don't know where Casey last. Kane winds up. Uh, uh, no, second to
1: last, you're Him right. I mean Casey but, Kane are at the bottom.
4: But now here's the thing he's he's gonna have to go to Dover and Kevin Harvick's in the uh, you know, a bad spot too. No, because he's he not has to perform very well. No, he's not. Even Kevin Kevin still
1: got a solid points buffer. If he if he just has a solid top ten to top fifteen day, he'll he'll be fine. I'm not worried but about the Kevin. four car.
4: But the four car has not performed at all in these last two races. They were horribly falling back this past weekend, and at Chicago they really weren't that strong. So I'm kind of concerned if I'm both the SHR cars because right now they're really aren't doing that well in speed. And for Kevin Harvick, that seems pretty odd because the last, what, three years, he's been the cat that we've all gone. He's going to be up towards the front, and he's been nowhere to be found. And I, I think they're kind of in a de- desperation mode of what car do you help out more going into Dover? Because
1: anything and everything can happen there. Yes, it this can. Now F1. You help them all. Now, Kurt Busch, 17 points out. Casey Kane, 21 points out. We're going to Dover. That's a very good track for Kurt Busch. There's not a lot of good tracks for Casey Kane. No offense, Casey, just being honest and looking at the stat sheet. However, not my real question. Tom, do you consider both of those must-win situations? Absolutely. They have to
2: be. There's no other way that either one of them advance into the next round of the playoffs without a win. Like you said, Dover is traditionally a good Kurt Busch track. I don't think Kurt Busch is good enough right now to take advantage of Dover being a good Kurt Busch track I think both Kurt Busch and Casey Kane will be out of the playoffs after this race at Dover and as to Renz's point about Harvick I agree totally Kevin has not been Kevin I also think that while Johnson and Keselowski made appearances in the top five They're not racing for a win right now. I just don't see either. Now you get to Martinsville
1: and Uh, maybe Jimmy Johnson. I I was going to say, Jimmy Johnson, remember, Dover is Jimmy's best track, and Jimmy won the spring race there. Well, okay, we'll see what happens
2: when we go back. But I'm just saying, I believe what I see, and right now it's a Toyota show. It's the Kyle and Martin show with Kyle Larson kind of trying to hang on like that red-headed stepchild with a Chevrolet going, hey, I can play too. Right now, those three cars are the best three cars. Now, if Johnson shows up and runs for a win at Dover, then that's and great and good for him. potentially wins at Dover. But if he doesn't then i think you know you're and i think the pattern here generally is this is right now a toyota playoff series we haven't heard the last of kenseth who's another that's another track track where kenseth runs well and denny hamlin as well so gonna be very interesting to see
1: where where this goes this weekend for uh, an elimination race, yeah, not gonna lie, I was really shocked that Denny didn't do very much this weekend. Mike Wheeler talked
2: about the short track program right now being a bit of a bane for them, which is really uh, except screwy. they
1: absolutely dominated the July yeah. race
2: at Loudon. Yeah,
1: absolutely dominated. Yeah.
2: so I'm I'm He's completely puzzled by, by that. What's happened to the program since then?
1: 10 on that. We're going to step away. Hunter's making me take a break, so we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more playoffs and eliminations and all that fun stuff. We're just getting started. You're listening to Motorsports Madness here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network.
6: That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, rev up your career.
1: Hi, I'm Matt Tift, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Well... There's a little bit of a segue that we'll get to in a minute. Matt Tift bringing us back from break. We'll talk the NASCAR Xfinity series later on in this segment. Right now, going to continue talking the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup series for a few more minutes because we're not done with playoffs yet. Playoffs? Playoffs. We're talking about playoffs. Not a game. Playoffs. Not a game. (laughs) Playoffs. (laughs) Jacob on. Tom Baker rents Francisco Scaramuza here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network, and... What we know is this. Martin Truex Jr. is locked into the next round. He won at Chicagoland. Kyle Bush is locked into the next round. He won over the weekend at New Hampshire. However, we also know that by virtue of their points totals above the cut line, that both Kyle Larson plus 82 and Brad Keselowski plus 62 are locked in to the next round no matter what happens during the first cutoff race Sunday at Dover because you can only make up 60 points in a race, meaning that 62 and 82 points respectively mean they can't be eliminated via points. That's good news if you're both of those teams. You can afford to take a little bit of a risk this weekend. Go for wins, go for playoff points especially if you're the 42 and you need to make up ground to the 78. Just saying.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, any of these teams that you just mentioned, uh, you know, Rents, I think this is a situation that right to me feels like Kyle Larson's kind of deal because Kyle loves driving the wheels off the car. He's not one of these drivers who likes to be patient. He does it because he knows he has to, and he's learned to do it well. But this is the type of situation where if Larson feels like he lacks the speed to just outrace the 78 or the 18 or the 48, if Jimmy runs that well, then he's got an opportunity. They can use some pit strategy and do some different things here. You know, Dover's the type of track where I think uh, this could be fun. And the same with Keselowski, really. I mean, Brad's another one that doesn't mind you know, being a risk taker in the two team, really, I think all those four teams really need to to come up with something here because I feel like right now they're all kind of struggling to find the speed to compete with the Toyotas and Larson.
4: Well, I mean, Brad Kozlowski is a former winner at Dover, yep. especially in the playoffs. That was during his championship year of 2012, I believe, when he went on that monster month, run. <laughs> but I think the big thing for both of those guys, and they echoed the sentiment that I'm about to say is, It comes down to consistency. Yeah. If you cannot win, try to get as far up in the points as possible through stage races and through the end of the races you possibly can. Larson finished second and a fifth place at Chicago, a second at Loudoun. You look at Keselowski, who's been very, very consistent as of late. And that fourth place finish he had over the weekend definitely helps things. And Brad even said, we're not gonna be able to beat them on raw speed right now. Just their dynamics are just way too much. So we're gonna try to take it to him in consistency. Keep in mind, Ryan Newman got to the got to homestead in twenty fourteen by consistency and almost won the dang thing if it wasn't for Kevin Harvick in front of him. So while it's a different sort of setup and the fact that we're trying to push these drivers to go for wins and try to win their way into the championship four. I do believe there's something there because Kyle Larson is a guy right now that I think is a little bit different than what we saw there, Tom. I think we kind of saw a different Larson where he's settling into the role and kind of going, okay, let's get some points. We'll get those wins. It will it will come to us because keep in mind, the racing gods are not a big fan of Martin Trix Jr. when he dominates. Just something about that, something that seems to always go awry with that 78. <laughs> I think that plays into the back of your mind of, okay, Let's see what happens, because up until the last lap of the second stage, Jacob, it looked like a 78 runaway until that fluke incident down the backstretch. Uh-huh. So I think for Kyle Larson more than anything else, you're waiting. You're trying to see what happens and then play your cards appropriately. And for Brad Keselowski, he's really in a position of he's got the speed, just not the speed that he'd like, but he's got speed enough to make those points. And to be honest with you, it's pretty impressive that both those guys clinched it on points that early. Because normally we're going into Dover with about 10 drivers within the cutoff line.
1: It's not surprising to me, especially with the advent of the stage point system. You can make up so many more points over guys who aren't scoring those stage points. And that's one thing that both Larson and Keselowski have proven that they can do on a week-to-week basis all year long is score stage points every time out. And you can make up almost half a race or actually half a race if you happen to win both of the two stages just by those stage points, which makes it a lot easier to build a margin between you and the cutoff line in this case, which is what both Larson and Keselowski did. Going to be interesting to see how that shakes out when we get into later rounds, but we'll see. So with all of that, we'll come back to the Cup Series in a little bit. Shift to the Xfinity Series now, who was not at New Hampshire, they were at the Kentucky Speedway Saturday night, and Cisco, I love a good spoiler story. In this case, Tyler Reddick spoils the playoff party. I, I could have thought of a few guys not in the playoffs to win a race before the end of the year. Tyler was about fifth or sixth down my list, and yet I was – I was almost brainless enough, or, or as Tyler would tell me if he heard this, I was all, almost smart enough to actually pick him for Saturday night. I didn't, but I guess I should have, because this was just cool. He drove down the Gibbs fleet, passed them, and drove off. And,
5: you know, I, I, he got the lead from, what, Priest on lap, uh, on lap 126, I think, and was able to just drive away. And I thought the spoiler, honestly, I thought Logano was going to have a shot at New Hampshire. But either way, it. I was completely wrong. It was Reddick who got the Thunder this weekend. And I think I was talking a little bit about it this weekend, about CGR and uh, kind of the whole plans about Chip Ganassi. And honestly, I think they've got some things going on. You know, they're minimizing. their. They're going down to three cars next year, in IndyCar. And they focused a two lot cars. on their two, two cars, cars that they have. Oh, yeah, two cars. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So two cars in IndyCar, then two cars in NASCAR, and also their Xfinity program, they've really started to pull their resources,
1: and it's really paying off. It it is. I do agree with that. I think sometimes consolidation is good. In this case, it will be. Now, we don't exactly know what the fate of that second Xfinity car is going to be next year, but the more I hear talk over in the Toyota camp, the more I start to ask myself— especially for a guy like Ryan Priest, who has proven he needs to be in a ride on a more regular basis and there may not be room for him in the inn at Toyota. There's a very sporty little race car, Tom, right there in the 42 that Ganassi's going to need somebody to pair with Larson if they want to run that car on a regular basis. And you you put somebody as aggressive as Priest, and now you've proven that that team can go out and beat the Gibbs equipment? Hello. Well, and, and th- this was my thought over the weekend because you and I have talked a couple weeks now. Ryan Priest needs a home, and we've been we've both asked ourselves, is there going to be room at Gibbs to be able to put him? My answer is, I don't think so. But somewhere like Ganassi might be a good fit. Well, part of this is going to be determined by how much
2: sponsorship Ryan can bring. Number one. Yeah. Because if he brings enough, then Gibbs will find room for him. I'm sure they don't want to get rid of him if they don't have to. And honestly, I was really hoping somehow we could work something out with the 77 team in Cup because I think Ryan's ready to go to to the Cup Series. I don't think he needs a whole year in Xfinity. I think he's ready to go upstairs and run with the the big boys in Cup. But short of that happening, sure, that Ganassi, you know, Chip tends to take chances on people like Ryan and if there were enough
1: he did it with sponsorship
2: right if there were enough sponsorship to be able to put him in the car then you know it would be a good fit and I I think it in the Xfinity series those cars are fast and I think that's an Mm -hmm. interesting place for him it's actually uh not a bad idea
1: no it's not now you consider Ganassi finishes one, two best of the best among playoff drivers at the finish of the race was Brennan Poole, who we all circled as a guy who could be a sleeper potentially to make it all the way to Homestead, depending on how things shook out with the rest of the JRM fleet. But the guy who's tied for the points lead leaving Kentucky, the other sleeper that you and I have talked about considerably rents, Hello, Cole Custer. Welcome to the playoffs.
4: He was very, very, very good. Over he, the weekend, he also swept start- the first two stages, yeah. oh, by the way. Well, he's starting to pick up speed, and I think what I told you, he's a lot like Ricky Stenhouse Jr. In the fact that once he understood the car, and once he understood where to put the car, he was a lightning bolt in the Xfinity series. And I think we're starting to see that. With Cole Custer, Jacob, and the fact that he came alive in those two segments. If it wasn't for the dirty air and the lap traffic that played havoc all night long with those poor guys in the lead pack, I honestly think that he would have contended for that win and just didn't have the track position and honestly just didn't have the time to make it way back up there. But well, he we also Cole's didn't have the tires.
1: He also didn't have the tires later yeah. in the race, True. like Reddick did. Well, I did. mean, he's
4: going to Dover, and Dover's not a bad track for him.
1: Um, so it should and be not only is it not a bad track, to. it's the site of his career best Xfinity Series finish, Tom.
2: Yeah, and, you know, let's, uh, let's be excited that he'll be in the studio with us again next week to talk about hopefully a good run at Dover and set yes. up what we hope will be another good run at Charlotte. The yeah.
1: Because Charlotte's the cutoff, the first cutoff race for the Xfinity series. Yep. So that'll be some great perspective to have. Yeah. Him. It was
2: a good run for him over the weekend. I mean, he, he, Rensons right. He's gaining speed every week and, and gaining confidence, and that, yes, that could be a real sleeper for the, the championship for sure.
1: I said it before the playoffs ever got yep. here. If he could make it to Homestead, yep. I liked his chances. We're going to step aside when we come back. We'll talk trucks and, hmm, that little that that little thing coming up for them at the end of round one that could really stir the whole pot up. And, no, I'm not talking about Las Vegas this weekend. Trucks, after this, you're listening to Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports.
6: HMS Motorsport
2: is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World Truck Teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Shrope Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orca Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even RaceCom Radio Kits, HMS representatives are experts in their field and focused on only one thing— making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent ya.
7: What an awesome game.
8: Hi, I'm Noah Gregson, and you're listening to Motorsports Madness on PMN, the Performance
1: Motorsports Network. Hello, Noah Gregson, and welcome back to the Madness here on PMN. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Rents Brown, Cisco Scaramuza. All on a Monday night, all talking racing, and we're talking trucks right now. Appropriate because Noah Gregson won the poll at New Hampshire over the weekend. Thought he was going to play spoiler, and then he spun.
2: Yeah, yeah. Doggone it. And then he spun. Uh, Gosh, you know, just uh, that was a tough one, honestly. Um, I thought he had the speed. Oh, he had the speed. Um, He just, once he spun, he just never. Well, yeah, once you're back in traffic, you're screwed. Yeah. Especially at Loudon. Could never come back again. And, you know, honestly, that race, I think Chris Bell, and I'm not going to say that Chris doesn't deserve it didn't earn it in any sort of a way but it feels to me like a race that he needs to look up and thank the Lord for because he certainly wasn't the only fast truck there no he wasn't Gregson I thought Ben Rhodes had an opportunity uh and and yeah and you know also John Hunter Nemechek was fast but just didn't get enough time to even hardly show it before he had problems with his truck so
1: yes and, and yet here at the end of the day the story of Loudon New Hampshire is track position Yeah, and if you get out you're front exactly right. you're going to have success and Chris Bell had the number 1 pit stall he was able to win virtually every race off pit road all day long or actually, I guess it was number two pit stall. Gregson had the number one pit stall, but still. He was able to get off pit road in contention, all day long, and I will argue you point for point that he didn't have the fastest truck and didn't deserve it, because he drove Noah down and passed him. But,
2: all I'm saying is, it wasn't a race that he dominated. And Yeah, it was, and, he and, led
1: the most laps. Yes,
2: but you had Nemechek drop out early, you had Gregson get himself in trouble. That race could have just as easily been somebody else's race. It was actually a pretty interesting race, and you gotta give a call to his teammate, Todd Gillette, for the top three that was finish beautiful. as well. He that had a great, great run. And you know what? Rents, there were some other trucks with uh, some good runs as well.
4: Well, I think the biggest guy that you have to look at is Ryan Truix. You yeah. know, he kind of just, you know, flexed his muscles and said, okay, I missed the playoffs, but Shigaki Otori and my team are going to come into the playoffs as an, a guy that's not in it and show everyone that we should have been part of it. Yeah, and yeah. I think the guy, if we're looking at playoff results, that we need to really think about is the recovery that Johnny Sauter had in that race. Yeah. Because that car was destroyed. He had, and I, I don't even know what he was even fighting at that point because he didn't have uh, have the exhaust. Half the exhaust panel was gone after yeah, that, that was Yeah, ca- that,
1: that was a caution.
4: <laughs> yep, that was a, a legit debris caution, too, for all of you tinfoil hatters out there. So he had to come down pit road. He had a hole in the door after Gregson spun into him and then drove his way back up into the top five. So while Christopher Bell won the race, and I do think you can credit the fact that he was the fastest truck, but Cisco, I think the largest thing was the PJ one. They laid down on that surface really made it hard to pass. Loudon's already very difficult to pass on. You put a PJ one out there, Ryan Truix held them off. I'd say with talent and the speed, but also I think the track helped them out. But at the end of the day, I, I think you have an uh, boy to give as well as I gave one to Johnny Sauter.
5: Yeah, I have one to give to Stuart Friesen in that 52. They Absolutely. started 11th, yeah. finished 5th, and that's their first top 10 on a, a paved track. That's their first top 5 on a paved track. They had a really good run at Eldora, but just an excellent job by those guys. Also going to give one Cody Coughlin, started 23rd, finished 12th.
2: Hey, I'll take it.
1: Yeah, I would take it too if I was Thor Sport because Cody's had a fairly miserable season. season. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And M Finger had a good run.
1: Well, here's the deal. Behind Christopher Bell, the rest of the top five were non playoff drivers. Just saying then there were playoff guys from 6th through 11th but you know second through fifth was all non-playoff guys you had Friesen up there you had Nfinger up there you had Truex up there it was a really good day for the guys who said hey we're not in these playoffs but we probably should have been and I'll make my point really short and really sweet no offense to Brad Keselowski Racing, but absolutely Ryan Truex should have been in there. The only reason he wasn't was because Austin Cindric dumped Kaz Grala in Canada. Otherwise, he and Ben Rhodes would have both been in on points, and we wouldn't even be having this discussion, rents
4: Well, I mean, if we're gonna go to that, I mean, Kaz Grala kind of got his little payback, even though it wasn't payback. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he, he did turn <laughs> four. Yeah, but but Grala and Cindric post race. Bumped fists, shook hands. They, they t- yeah, they,
1: they talked. They had a fist bump, and everybody. It looks like you know. Hey, I hit you. You hit me. Yeah. We can, we we can move on now. Yeah, like there. It's well, over. there were
4: fists. There were fists. It was just a fist. It was bump. fist
1: bump. It's yeah. Not, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No one caught any hand. No. Nobody was ugly with anybody. No.
2: And, and you know what? It, there. It's like we can move on now and stop talking about it. But you are right to your point. Uh, but. At the end of the day, regardless of me saying that I don't I, – I, all I was trying to say is that this wasn't a race that nobody had a chance to win except Chris Bell. It wasn't like Martin Truex dominates most cup races. But, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, I still think it's Chris Bell's championship to lose. Absolutely it is. And, you know, right now in this series, there are a number of fast trucks, but there are only a couple of trucks that seem fast enough to win – on most days and Chris Bell's one
1: of them yes Johnny Sauter's another up until the the incident where Gregson spun down the track and took out Johnny's door for the most part I think Johnny had the speed to contend with the four for the win but he never got to show it because that happened towards the end of stage one and that was just you know from there Johnny's fighting exhaust issues and
2: now those are the two that I think the championship comes down to I honestly however that being said if John Hunter Nemechek can come in and and pull a win out and just get himself into the next round, I think John Hunter Nemechek has a shot here.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. he's the
2: other one I think has the speed in a lot of weeks to, to contend.
1: Yeah, but not on mile-and-a-half tracks. No, that's they have true. not. They've not had true. the speed at mile-and-a-half intermediate he's gotta tracks. He's got to definitely
2: pull something out of out of the, the fire here at uh, yeah. Las Vegas, and it's not his ideal track
1: to do it. Well, keep in mind. There's two races to go in this first round. We're only one race into the yeah, first round of the Yeah, but he's dug trucks. himself such a hole. No, though. he hasn't. He And that's the point I was getting to. The fact that they pushed hard enough to get him back out on the track after the drivetrain issue he is in single digits behind oh, the is? cut line I thought right he now. was farther than no. that. Okay. Remember, I, I didn't. remember he had 10 bonus points for his two wins coming okay. into this. If he had not if this were last year and he had not he had those bonus okay. points, he would be in a double digit hole. Okay. As it is, he's only 9 points I believe outside the cutoff right now. And he can do one of two things. He's proven extremely proficient in the draft over the years. He can go to Talladega, and as long as they don't blow the motor on lap 10 like they did a year ago, which I think they've easily learned from that to make sure they don't make that mistake again, John Hunter could very easily win the Talladega truck race. But I think he's going to be, I think he can be all right, and I still have a gut feeling that this weekend at Vegas. You're going to see something happen to at least one of these playoff guys that we're not expecting yet. John Hunter had his mulligan right here. But I think so. you're set to see something happen to somebody, Cisco, at one of these guy, you know, playoff contenders this weekend that I would argue is likely going to take that them out of contention going into Talladega. Somebody <laughs> is going to be in a must-win situation going to Talladega, and I don't think it's going to be the eight-truck. And I would not want to be in that position going to Talladega. Um, because... No, <laughs> no. If
5: there's no. any place Talladega and maybe a road course as well. Those are really the only places where if I have to go out there, I have to win a race. I mean, yeah, the eight hasn't been great on mile and a halfs, But Dega is just completely. I mean, anyone could win that. because it's anyone. a
2: wild card. Yep. You yeah. You know, I mean, the type of racing that it is, you definitely don't want to have to depend on it to get yourself to the next round that's
1: why i like it being a cutoff race oh i love it being a cutoff race because it's so unpredictable Mm -hmm. period end of discussion yep now the other guy i'm a little bit concerned about if he does not do what he should do this weekend I'm honestly a little concerned about the 29 truck at Chase Briscoe rents because they d- they were terrible all weekend at Loudon, And if they don't come out and do what they should do at Vegas, they're going to be in a really tough position going into Talladega because they got swept up really early at Daytona. And those BKR trucks struggled a little bit in the draft for what little they were able to showcase it at Daytona. So, I, ooh, I i mean, I'm just saying. I would be a little concerned right now. Well,
4: you know, it's one of those things where I think they look like a deer caught in the headlights. That's what they kind of look like at Loudoun. And going into it, I mean, their mile-and-a-half program isn't, you know, horrendous. They won the race, I believe, last year with uh, Tyler Reddick behind the wheel when they went to victory lane. That's true. Las Vegas. They did. they did. And then I look at the fact that they're a team that's going out of business for the rest of the season and not coming back. So you, you go to Talladega, you bring your two best guns you got, and it's going to be a crapshoot, obviously, to make it out of that race. But I think, Jacob, looking at it, there's no time to panic. You just need to put yourself in a position where you can get a top 10 finish at Vegas, Go to Talladega and put yourself in a position to win the race or finish top five because between now and the end of Talladega, anything's possible and no one's really out of it, no matter how safe you are, excluding excluding the one, the only Christopher Bell. All
1: right. We're going to step aside. On the other side of this, we're talking open wheel, briefly. Coming up this weekend is the final Malaysian Grand Prix. So we'll rehash a couple of memories of the good old Sepang circuit and... Lewis Hamilton versus Sebastian Vettel, Rents, your favorite subject. Get excited. Oh, I'm I'm excited. Woo. <laughs> Come on now. That wasn't even convincing. We'll, we'll go to break so Rents can learn how to be Woo. more convincing. We'll talk more after this. You're listening to Motorsports Madness on the Performance Motorsports Network.
6: Okay.
8: So, Sarah, I'm dropping you off at Emily's? Yeah. And, Josh, you're going to?
2: Soccer, Dad.
6: Persuasion.
3: Okay, okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled.
8: Good choice. I'll just have to do my dad dance at dinner time.
3: What, what? No! no! Do what you have to to
6: make sure your kids are wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercargovernor kids buckle up for more information.
3: At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat?
7: Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
0: Let's throw the green for Open Wheel Central on Motorsports Madness. Now back to the round table and Jacob Seelman.
1: We are back here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Rents Brown, Cisco Scaramuza talking racing, and specifically of the open-wheel variety right now because going into this weekend after what will be 19 years following the conclusion of Sunday's Grand Prix, the Malaysian Grand Prix comes to an end, nearly two decades' worth of history, and Cisco... I love this racetrack. I wish it didn't have to go away. I'm going to miss it tremendously, which is why I'm hoping we have a really, really good race on Sunday. We've had three different winners from three different teams the last three years. I don't think we're going to see another different team win this weekend, but good grief, I think the parity is certainly going to be there because Pang tends to do that.
5: CPANG tends to do that? And last year, a certain Daniel Ricardo got the win there. Yes, yes, so, yes. So you know what? I feel like Red Bull's do. They were due earlier in the season. We kept saying, oh, Red Bull's going to do it. They're going to do it.
1: I think this is where they do it. <sighs> yes, I hope so tremendously. I really, really do. Now... I, I dug into the history books a little bit. Everybody gets scared when I do that because they never know what I'm going to find. Rents. Statboy! Boy. Yep. statboy yes. Boy says this race in 18 prior runnings has only been won from outside the front two rows of the grid twice. Can you name the two drivers that did that?
4: I'm going to say one is Sebastian
1: Vettel. And you would be wrong, actually. Um... <laughs> Outside... uh, I'll give you a cheat and say that one of the two of them is Sebastian's current teammate.
4: Okay, so we're going to give one to Kimi.
1: Yes, who won it in 2003 from seventh when he was still with McLaren at that point.
4: Why do I want to say it's another Ferrari driver? Because and as I a wonder, matter of fact, it, it was is. a Ferrari when Robins, he did it. Is it Rubens Barrichello? No, actually it wasn't. It was much <laughs> more, <laughs> yeah.
1: it, it was much more recent than Rubens or Michael. It was Fernando Alonso <laughs> yeah. in two thousand twelve oh. from eight in the Ferrari. Cheeky Nando with with the
4: catch right there in the win.
1: Yes, yes. That was that was a fun race. I remember that two thousand twelve race. That was particularly enjoyable because it was one of Fernando's more recent wins and kinda Showcased the tail end of his dominance in the Ferrari. So, f- Sebastian Vettel has won four of the last seven at CPang, but Rents, I don't think he's the favorite this weekend. I really don't. I don't think he's the. F- well. <laughs> yeah, we say that and he's going to go out and spank him. Well, but...
4: here's the thing. I told you this last week, Jacob. Sebastian Vettel, in two of his four titles, uh-huh. has not been the points leader leaving the Grand Prix of Singapore. He's been behind. I believe that was 2010 and 2012 when he won his titles. So you really can't count him out. The only thing that can really count him out is if they start having catastrophic issues like they had in Mm -hmm. the Singapore Grand Prix when his teammate decides that Max Verstappen no longer exists (laughs) and gets down in front of both of them and kills both of them. So – that's the only way i see it lewis hamilton's very strong right now i think the mercedes themselves jacob on a completely different level Mm -hmm. and now we're starting to see valtteri botas start to really pick up speed and he's now comfortable with the car and it was only a matter of time before he finally fully adjusted and lewis hamilton is in mad mode is what i'm gonna say Uh he's driving mad he's driving angry people think that he's washed up he's done for he's not the same Lewis Hamilton, I think he's driving like last year with a chip on his shoulder after Nico took that title. So I think he's going to be driving a lot angrier now and an angry Lewis Hamilton is a very dangerous Lewis Hamilton. So it should be interesting to see. And this is a track that suits him quite well as uh, if we're looking at it from the standpoint, it's very technical. Mm-hmm. The opening sector is very technical, and Lewis Hamilton's a very technical driver. The only thing I can see that takes him out of the race is either a brake failure or, you know, someone just just decides that they're going to be a dart with without feathers, caveat, <laughs> and just go flying into turn one. And we've seen it before. Cisco, you remember that that, that time we went into uh, uh, Sepang? Don't remind me. Don't remind Vettel me. And Vettel, which is kind of like I don't like you. Yeah, it was almost, it was almost kind of like Cascarella. Oh, man. Wow. The other thing I want to say here is if we're looking by favorite races, I got one for you. It's not really a it's not a fan favorite. But how about the uh, infamous Red Bull standoff with Weber and Vettel there, Jacob? Oh, yes. Mark Weber was going to win that race until Sebastian Vettel went.
2: Wait, nope. nope. no,
1: he's
4: not. Seriously,
1: honestly, honestly. So here, here's a fun pop quiz. Rents, name me the driver with the most top tens at Singapore – or, ha, huh, at Singapore – in Malaysia in the starting field this weekend. I'll give you a hint. It's not who you think.
4: I want to say it's going to be someone like Felipe Massa. Ha! Good
1: boy. Look at that. First guess.
2: See? Good job.
1: And I think he'll do that again wait, in wait, the Williams. Well, Just saying. Yeah,
4: I mean – uh, the rumor is, guys, Massa might be returning next year.
1: He should. That's
4: Well, no one wants to take that ride, apparently. It's kind of one of those rides <laughs> where no one wants it. Well, because and there's,
5: I'll take it.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, Cisco
4: Scaramuza, oh, right. that's, that's an F1 name. We could do that.
5: Yeah, uh, we could
2: make well, that work. Win
5: an is I there race, anyone with SCA as their, as their first three letters?
4: We had SCH for Schumacher. But, yeah. Or no, it was MSC, wasn't it? There you go. Perfect.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I just look. I, I, again, it's just not. You're dooming yourself to back end of top ten at best is what you're doing when you're getting that equipment. Well, I, I guess, hang
1: on. The the Williams have run fifth to seventh all year. Yeah.
2: I mean, same. Thing. What's a well? What's you have a, no shot to win? No. Well, who's? I mean, who are they going to get? That's of any quality that they would want.
1: To elevate the team, I the mean, only one I can think of right now is Esteban Ocon, and uh, at this point, Force India is not going to give him up. Because no, I, the Force Indias have been outperforming
2: the Williams yeah, most I times mean, that's, this year. That's the thing, which is really sort of surprising. But honestly, I just think at this point, Massa, and I think he's got another year left in
1: the tank. Yeah, I mean, why
2: not? You know,
1: at this point, why? Yeah, exactly. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Ah, uh, okay, Cisco. How ugly does the Lewis Hamilton Sebastian Vettel title scrap get here going down the stretch? I want to know what you think. Ah, uh, honestly,
5: and I don't want to say this, but.
1: Say it. That's what radio is for. of the season
5: where Lewis Hamilton just drives away with it, and we're just going to sit here and go, oh, well. There goes Lewis Hamilton. He's going to win another one. I feel like I feel like we're getting. We've just reached the precipice of the cliff, and we're just going to go up. Oh, there we go. And there goes Hamilton. He's going to just dominate the rest of the season.
1: Lest we forget that this weekend's race is sponsored by Patronus, which is appropriately mm-hmm. the Mercedes. It's it's Mercedes' <laughs> home race, more yeah. or less. Renser, I I I want to know Lewis or Sebastian.
4: I've been talking about this all year, and I really don't think you can sleep on Sebastian Vettel. I really don't think so. I mean, honestly. I mean, he, he's a four-time world champion for a reason. While Lewis Hamilton's at the top of his game, and there have been talks about him maybe stepping aside very soon in his career. He's talked yeah. about that. And I doubt it I if re- he keeps running this I well. doubt it. But... I also doubt that we can count out uh, Sebastian Vettel. I think he's a championship favorite. I think he is better when the chips are against him. Mark Webber had the championship lead in 2010. He came back and won it. Fernando Alonso had the championship lead in 2012, and he came back and got it. And oh, by the way, that Ferrari in 2012, I believe is better than the Red Bull of 2012. So I think he can do it. Speaking of Red Bull, Jacob... Uh Mm-hmm. There's a little thing that's going to be happening in 2018.
1: I was getting there. You you just beat and, me to the punch.
4: And Well, I beat you off the line just like how Valtteri Bottas did to everyone in Austria, but ah. that's a different situation. So Aston Martin is going to be stepping up their game because Renault, is going to be skipping on over to McLaren. Okay, hang, like, hang, hang, hang on a minute, what Rents.
1: You're, you're, getting, you're getting way ahead of yourself. Let's talk about the actual facts, and then we'll talk about the speculation. Tom, the fact is that Aston Martin is going to be the title sponsor of the Red Bull Racing Formula 1 team next year. It'll be Aston Martin Red Bull Racing. Now, what Rents was digging into, the speculation is that possibly... Aston Martin also enters the series as an engine supplier for 2019, because Red Bull's going to be in need. The two companies have already partnered for an awesome-looking hypercar last year, which is just a freak of technology, and I love it, and if it wasn't so freaking expensive, like, please christmas wish list I, I i don't i don't have millions of dollars <laughs> I lottery. To, yeah i i don't have i don't have a couple hundred million dollars to go dump on one of those things drawing but, every wednesday <laughs> and saturday it's called powerball yeah anyway i don't think it's impossible to think about and i personally would love to see aston martin in f1 frankly i mean we need more we need more blood on the technology side and honda's been underwhelming <laughs> well,
2: well i agree i think i think this is neat it's something different. And it probably, in a way, is what Red Bull needed to provide some sort of, hopefully anyway, some sort of a spark, just having Aston Martin. Because even though they're a main sponsor, per se, you've got to know that there's going to be Uh some technology conversation going on there. Um, I I I hope this helps, because honestly, Red Bull has slipped a little bit. And I know that Ricardo won this race a year ago. And I'm quite sure that this will be just another excuse for Red Bull to mess up Max Verstappen in favor of Ricardo because he won it last year. So um, there's a shot probably for for Ricardo to go back-to-back, but I doubt it. It's going to be Hamilton or Vettel.
1: All right, just let's go around the table real quick. For the championship, as we're getting down into the last third of the season, Hamilton or Vettel, and let me throw out before we start this that of the remaining tracks – on the Formula One schedule, other than the Japanese Grand Prix, which Sebastian has won four times, there is no other track on the the remaining part of the schedule where he's won more than twice, period, end of discussion. Actually, I take that back. He's won, He won Abu Dhabi three times, but I really... Uh, I That is that is what it is. He and Lewis have both won three times. We'll take that out of the picture. Tom, which one? <laughs> Hamilton. Sisko. Hamilton. Rance Vettel. Still riding the Sebastian Vettel train, huh?
4: I'll, I'll ride it all the way until the day I die. I think he's <laughs> Jacob. I honestly think he's a guy with the cards up against him. He's going to do exactly like his idol did, Michael Schumacher. Pour everything into it at the last part of the season and make a run for the title.
1: Not going to happen, especially when you consider the U.S. Grand Prix and the fact that Lewis Hamilton has won four out of five in Texas. Hamilton all the way. In fact, he's going to clinch it with about two races to go. You heard it here first. Halftime, when we come back, dirt, dirt, and lots of dirt because we had lots of big races over the weekend. More Motorsports Madness in a moment. You're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network. We'll be right back.
4: Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver.
3: My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom.
1: <laughs> my mommy. Well, I've been of changing, cause I've built my life around you.
6: Stop these tragedies before they happen
3: For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.
0: Hide the kids. It's time to get dirty with the Race Chaser Online crew. Here's your host, Jacob Seelman, with Turn 5 Live's curator of Casa de Chop, Stephen Evans. Food,
1: fun, and dirt. That's where we're at right now. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and, I, and that's how we always start the second half of Motorsports Madness, which in my book is a good day, except Steve forgot the pork chops. Doggone it. It's, your, it's all your fault, New Yorker. Well,
8: He's you know, PA we forgot now, the pork, pork chops, but we, we've, got a, we've got a solid second here. So <laughs> we're,
1: we're trying new recipes
8: here in the chop. Okay. What, what,
1: what are we trying tonight? I'm curious now.
8: Well, we, we did a nice turkey meatball. With a sweet and sour sauce that's yeah. made half with
1: applesauce. Uh, you just broke, Tom, but you made my night.
8: Yeah, I'll just do the meatballs. <laughs> air,
1: air, air shipping, Lincoln to North Carolina. You know where to find me, Steve-O. Anyway, <laughs> we'll get back to racing now. Let's I us talk curious. Yeah, let's talk dirt tracks, shall we? And, Steve, I feel like I'm breaking some sort of unwritten law because I'm about to start a dirt segment and not start off with sprint cars. What's wrong with me?
8: Well, that's okay, because uh, I think I know where you're headed, and for good reason.
1: <laughs> I'm about to make you look really good again, if that gives you any indication. Uh, yeah. Let's yeah. see. One race, two races, three races, and a big old giant blue and red number one car. So, yeah, that basically sums up the world of Outlaw's Late Models Weekend. Brandon Shepard. Brandon Shepard. And Brandon Shepard.
8: yeah I mean he had an incredible weekend without I mean I don't even know if incredible weekend is the right word to use for for the sweep that he displayed this weekend but you know I if you look at the schedule Jacob and you look at some of his comments after the races it's it's pretty it's pretty awesome That, you know, this part of the schedule, I think, really fell into his wheelhouse uh, because, you know, the the tracks that they were at between Kansas and Oklahoma, you know, the the dirt that they race on there, it just that fit his wheelhouse. And and this was an opportunity for him to really, um, really take control. I mean, it's not that he's had uh, a major challenge here for the championship, but. I think he really took a big, big step
1: ahead this weekend. I agree. Yeah. That would be wins 15, 16, and 17 for the season with five – no, check that – four A features to go. You've got two days at the Dirt Oval at Route 66 in October and two features – here in charlotte all brandon has to do is win two out of those last four and he sets the all-time single season wins record for the world of outlaws late models taking over that record from the guy who drove that car last year and set the record
8: I think even somebody here is is appreciating that too. <laughs> yes.
6: Yes,
1: just a little bit. So uh, Brandon Shepard versus Josh Richards this season, Steve. I mean, you and I have argued about it all year, but I mean, let, let's be honest here with a month and a half to go, where do we really sit between these two? Cuz Josh is still I don't want to say largely in control, but he still leads the Lucas Oil standings. He's not been quite as flashy every single week as Brandon has, but I would argue that Brandon's been racing against far less stiff competition. Just being honest.
8: No, I agree. I agree with you. And, and I think that, you know, that was kind of the reason for going that way is, you know, and and I, and I would, I would be far from using the word cherry picking because I don't feel that's what it is at all. But, but the, the, there, there is quite a difference in the level of competition. Uh Um, You know, but you know, on the other hand, we, we could, we could be having a different conversation here in another year or two guys, because I mean, you even look at the, the top five from, from the other night, I mean, you had Shepard, you had Turbo, you had uh, Austin Seibert, uh, Chase Younghands, Shane Clanton. I mean, we're starting to get quite a youth movement in yes. the world of outlaw late model side of things. So, you know, a couple of years from now, there could be you know just as good a competition. Maybe not those household names that you're used to, but um, at this point right now, Jacob, it, the the competition level definitely sways toward the the lucas oil late model dirt series
1: now i want to talk about the lucas oil series for a little bit because they had two very big races over the weekend at brownstown speedway in indiana one of my favorite dirt tracks in the country love the little quarter mile you had jimmy owens win the tribute to steve barnett on friday night and then Saturday, they had one of their crown jewel races at Brownstown, the Jackson 100. Don't ask me where it gets its name because I don't know. I'll look it up later for anybody who's yelling at me. Why don't you know? I promise I'll do my homework later and look it up. But the guy who's destroyed the 100 over the course of his career added another notch on Saturday. Steve and Scott Bloomquist won it for the seventh time. Not surprising because it's Scott Bloomquist, but in doing so, oh boy, do we have a championship fight now. The reason I said I don't want to call Josh Richards really in control of this Lucas Oil points fight is because all of a sudden these top three, Richards, T-Mac, and Bloomer are within 75 points of one another again. And just when we all thought that Josh was going to be okay here, this is about to be titanic.
8: Yeah, how about that? I mean, you've got uh, Tim McCready 90, 90 points back, and you've got Bloomquist who is within 155 points. Yeah, and I'll uh, update
1: that because they actually released the points update today. I was close, actually. I said 75. According to the unofficial point standings that they did release Saturday night, Steve, you've got Richards up 45 on McCready and 85 on Bloomquist.
8: Oh, okay. Hello. Well, they need to update their website then. The
1: front page <laughs> is not quite; it, it doesn't get officially updated because the points aren't official until Tuesday. But yeah, you know, I'll go by the unofficial point standings and say we gotcha. haven't heard about any penalties at this point, so I'll, I'll take them as gospel. Well, that's a
8: that's a lot closer than even yes. even I thought here. So oh, yes. yeah, I mean, and. <sighs> What a month ago, Jacob, I don't think we were having this conversation a month ago, I mean, Josh
1: Richards had nearly three hundred yeah, points on say. the field, yeah,
8: yeah, so I mean that that shows you right there, you know, McCready and Bloomquist have really buckled down and and guys let's Tom, this is what we were hoping for yes when yep. when you knew that all of these guys, including Josh Richards, was going to be on the Lucas Oil tour. This is what you were hoping for. Well, and now it's now it's coming to fruition right in front of our eyes. Well, I agree. And it's really,
2: as far as I'm concerned, this is what it needed. And this is what it should have been the entire season. I don't know when you talk about the level of competition. OK, you've got more veterans that are running Lucas Oil, but. Some of these drivers, as you pointed out earlier, Steve, even even in the Outlaws, are more than capable of winning on any given day. So I agree, Lucas is the deeper of the two series, which I find to be really interesting that that's happened, but... You know, when I look at the the depth of talent here, you wonder how anybody gets a three hundred point lead on the field at any point. Yeah, in the well, season. It, it, it seems like it's sort of it. It's done a bit of a accordion. rubber band or an accordion. Yeah, it's it, it stretched out. Now it's contracting again. And it's and
1: contracting at just the, just right, the time right time too time for
2: one heck of a fight to the wire here. That's what I
8: like. I know, I agree, guys, and and you've got quite a you've got quite a schedule coming up for these guys
3: ah. uh,
8: wh- where we head to Dixie Speedway in, in Woodstock yes. Georgia this weekend uh, followed by Sunday at Rome Speedway. No, not Utica, Rome. Rome, Rome. Speedway. <laughs> yes, Rome. also in Georgia. In Georgia. In Georgia. And yeah. for, for
1: anybody who doesn't know those two tracks, I've been there a bunch with the Wing 360 Sprint Cars back when I was uh, doing some dirt stuff the last couple of years. Both fantastic facilities. Yeah. And uh, one of our sister shows here on PMN, you just asked Mitch Walker, Mitch Walker about any of those dirt tracks in Georgia. Oh, go see them. You'll have a good time.
8: And you want to talk about some passionate fans about late about their late models? Yes. That oh is yeah. On the Georgia Absolutely. dirt, let me tell yep. you.
1: Yeah, but I mean, this we're we're getting down to it, Steve. It's a great points battle because we're now through Brownstown. We're within 85 points for the top three guys, and we've only got four races to go and all yeah. of them pay ten thousand dollars or more to win the race and let me give you
8: an event to circle it's it's not the championship weekend what but, you, you but,
1: mean it's not the race that pays a hundred thousand bucks well, to win
8: yes it does and i'm not taking that away but i've got i've got the pittsburgh 100 weekend circled on the calendar because the Pittsburgh Pennsylvania Motor Speedway is a fantastic facility. The the dirt late models up here that, that run on the crate engine package up here in the Northeast, they they go to the Pittsburgh, they go to Pittsburgh several times on their schedule and these guys up here cannot say enough about that track. Now you take that facility and you take the Lucas Oil late models with a championship that's come down to the wire. Oh, my goodness. No, it doesn't pay 100000 but you're not going to tell those guys that mm-hmm. uh, who are battling for this championship. That's a date that uh, if you're anywhere in the vicinity of that track, you're going to want to take a look at.
1: Yes, and oh, by the way, how about this tug of war for the Pittsburgh weekend? Steve, who's the all-time winningest driver in Pittsburgh history with five victories? Well, I'm going to take a stab and say Scott Bloomquist and you would be correct. And on the flip side of that coin, who's the defending winner of the Pittsburgher? I'm going to take a stab and say Josh Richards. Ding 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 ding, two for two. <laughs> so, so now can you see why this is going to be really 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 fun? <laughs> And
8: who's going to want to be putting on a show in front of all of his Northeast fans?
1: I'm going to say Tim McCready.
8: (laughs) Oh, boy, guys. I like it. I like it a lot.
1: I love it a lot. Sprint cars after this. We're going to shift gears and go back to the place where we usually go to first. Back to the future. Why not? World of Outlaws after this break. You're listening to Motorsports Madness and more with Steve Ovens here
6: on the Performance Motorsports Network.
8: Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication, but it's those tough choices that helped me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the US Air Force.
1: I'm Kaz Grala and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. We are back here on PMN. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Rents, Brown, Cisco, Musa, and Dr. Dirt, Steve Ovens, for the second half of our Dirt Track chunk of tonight's madness show. And I said we were going to talk about sprint cars. We're going to talk about sprint cars, Steve. First on the docket is one of my favorite events all year long, the before the crowns special at Eldora Speedway the precursor to the four crown nationals which I'll also bring up in this segment but Steve when you go to Ohio the people that you expect to win don't normally include the Pennsylvania posse for me that's what makes Tim Schafer winning Friday night so impressive because sure it's like, I mean, I'm not surprised when Tim Schaefer wins a race, but we're not in Pennsylvania, guys. What?
2: <laughs> I think Steve is speechless over there.
1: Yeah.
8: We got him in parentheses. Yeah. Is
1: what happened. That, we got to find a well, way. To... <laughs> did
2: we get you out of parentheses? There she, you go.
8: Well, yeah, I had to catch my breath there for a second because I thought I heard Jacob say Tim Schaefer. I world did. In the world. That's what he <laughs> no. said. It's it's not it it is a surprise, Jacob, but, you know, it's a surprise because, you know, we saw him win with the All-Stars earlier this year. And, you know, for him to win with the World of Outlaws, that's a that's a huge win. I mean, winning on the All-Stars was a pretty big deal for those guys at Eldora earlier this year. But, you know, when when the World of Outlaws come to town and when the guy knocking on the back door is is trying, you know, is Donnie shots, who's got 18 wins on the season
1: uh-huh. and
8: and trying to close out this championship. And that's the guy you held off to get the uh-huh. job done. That's just flat impressive. Uh, and impressive. And I think uh, I think Tim Schaefer and that team, you know, is is really finding something special here. And And let's face it, guys, we're coming up on some big money shows. Here And, you know, with them taking a win down at Eldora uh, on the night before the uh, the four crowns, man, that could uh, that could spell some good things for these guys as we get ready to go to the Grove. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did
1: we mention there's four A features this weekend during the the national open at Williams Grove? Did, did, did we get there yet? Well, I think the question, Jacob,
8: is, yes, there's four scheduled. The question is how many are actually going to get in on the, <laughs> on
1: the Okay, weekend. okay. Alright then, Master Weatherman. <laughs> Have you looked at the forecast for this weekend yet?
8: I did. Uh, the you only did. concern the only concern I see right now on the schedule so far this weekend is possibly Friday night. Okay. Uh, because because we're looking at the at the weather forecast for an event that that we're promoting at Woodhall this weekend as well and and it looks like friday night is the only night that uh that that things could get a little iffy and I, and i'll and i'll be honest with you guys you know these guys come into williams grove this weekend you know they've got two features on thursday night and i mean they're going to feel like they're at the summer nationals because yeah. it has been hot up here guys it was 91 degrees this afternoon on the wow. home in so, pennsylvania wow <laughs> Yeah, these guys are coming up for for, you know, the National Open and you're expecting to bring the parka and and you know, who knows, maybe the Carhartt bibs with you too. But that's not what we've been having weather-wise here uh for for the last week. Yeah. Uh, so 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 that could that could make things interesting, I think uh for this week. Now, once that system comes through on Friday, not not to make this a weather segment, Jacob, but once that segment or that system comes through on Friday, then the temperatures are going to dip right off. So if mm-hmm. they get the show in on Friday and Saturday's show is not going to be an issue, but the temperatures are going to be much lower. So that's something to think about because, you know, is is the weather going to dictate
1: who's quick early in the week and who's quick this weekend. Yeah. We
8: will soon find
1: out. Well, I know who was quick Saturday night during the second race that we had, which was at Lernerville Speedway, and it wasn't Donnie Schatz. Yeah. It was his arch rival, at least for the it, year. David, Is Gravel. it bad,
8: Jacob, that, that when I see David Gravel win a race now as we start to close in on the end of the year, where at the beginning of the season I was jumping out of my chair excited to see that he wins a race, is it bad that now I'm almost – I kind of sigh when I see him win a race because I just feel like they're way too far out of the championship now. Like that's, that's, that's what I'm feeling right now because it's just, Oh my goodness, David, where was this a month ago?
1: I know, you know,
8: where, where's the speed that you had Saturday night? Where was that a month ago when, when you were right there in the thick of it and you know, I love to see him get a win But I'm just,
1: you see that and you're like, oh, (laughs) because they were so close for so long. They were. And, you know, this is where it gets interesting now, because unlike the late model portion of the schedule, Steve, the World of Outlaws have four features at Williams Grove, if they can get them all in this weekend. Then you've got eight features in the month of October, plus two more at Charlotte to kick off November and conclude the season, there's still 14 points races left that could have a big effect on who wins or loses this championship. And Brad Sweet, who finished on the podium again on yeah. Saturday at Lernerville, is still lurking.
8: Well, I mean, let me let me put it to you this way, guys. We're coming up on a stretch of 8 races Well, eight features here, uh, out of the next, you know, the the next eight straight features for the World of Outlaws, all within a, let's say, four and a half to five-hour radius between Pennsylvania and New York. Yeah, and 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 Tom for the New Yorkers, oh, what a schedule coming up! Oh gosh, yes, please. We're used to these races being spread out throughout the season. And in in an eight-day stretch, one felt swoop here, we're going to get Fulton, Weedsport, and Ransomville. Yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean,
2: in and three just fantastic tracks. The big bank track at Fulton, the, the, the tighter, uh, smooth track at Weedsport, and then you've got Ransomville. Uh, which is always a track you could race street stocks there, and they would draw a huge crowd for it. Great, and they do, there. and they do, <laughs> and they do. I mean, it's it's just a a great track to run. I mean, that's that's going to be awesome. And I, I'll tell you what, I, I you know you hear you hear rumors, and you start hearing about the possibility of maybe adding Oswego to the to to the schedule next year if the track holds up well enough this year. And the idea, Jacob, of, of seeing a show both At Fulton and Oswego over the course of a weekend. Oh my
1: goodness. Number one, I would cry if that actually happens. Tears of joy, mind you. Yes. Number two, if they take the Outlaws, Steve, to Oswego as part of Super Dirt Week, I'm writing in my bet to the Las Vegas Odds Books right now because he's the guy who... If I'm not mistaken, has won every single pavement to dirt track conversion race over the past five years, with the exception of one. And saying Las Vegas put Donnie shots at about one and a half to one if they if they go to Oswego next year, because my. Goodness, the 15 team just slays them. They did it at Berlin, they did it at Rockford. I mean, this is just now no, no content.
2: Let's stress here. This is just rumor.
1: I know it's We real, don't even know how I I, I it said is. if
2: just rumor, but I just thought it was interesting to bring it up cuz I did hear it this week and you know, I again, I'd love to see dual shows at Fulton Nassau. So that would be a great double bill over the super dirt week. Wow.
8: Yeah, I mean, huh. Steel Palace, uh Clay Palace. Yeah, try again. World of Outlaws. I mean yikes. And and back it up with a uh, with a show at Fulton. I mean that would that would take And super that's how dirty. I hope
2: it, it goes if it goes at all. I if again hey, I, yeah. I say if hey, hey, I don't want them to
1: take it away from yeah. Fulton.
2: I just want them to add one of the swing. I'm hey thinking. Steve, right.
1: let, let me ask you this real quickly. I know we're coming up on a break here, but I want to ask this on air. You've seen the logistics of Super Dirt Week a couple of times, and you know the logistics of the Outlaws' travel schedule. Knowing that Fulton and Oswego are so close, within 10 miles of one another, do you think it'd be feasible to, do, to keep the Saturday night show at Fulton and add a Sunday afternoon show as an undercard to the mm. Mod 200 at Oswego, w- w- would it even be feasible with the way they like to run Sunday at Super Dirt Week or no? Just curious. I, I think
8: that would be a big logistical challenge. Um, I, so here's a couple of challenges. Number one, I think to do this the right way, I think you would have to do it on a day other than Saturday or Sunday.
1: Fair enough. Uh, I, I maybe a Friday. See... Maybe do Friday night at Super Dirt Week and go to Fulton on Saturday.
8: Let's let's look at this. Friday night lights at the Clay Palace. Oh <sighs> yeah,
1: because they do the the triple the triple twenties, yep. don't they?
8: We could do our triple twenties for the big blocks, twin twenties for the small blocks, triple tens for the sportsmen, and the world of outlaw sprint cars. Are you kidding me? Ooh. Oh. That might—that's still a lot, though, for that. I, but that I, is a lot, Tom. Now, now the other challenge would be too, though, and logistically, is where are you going to put all the haulers for well, the World of Outlaws. Yeah. That would yeah, be a massive really. challenge.
1: I mean, it's it's already the tough enough with out out as well. It's true. already tough enough with all the other divisions that they run during Super Dirt Week. Unless you did
2: something like the Outlaws kicking it off at Oswego on whatever day,
8: Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday and then go to Fulton, you know, that I'll, kind of I'll thing. say this guys, again, just something as, to think about. As far as crowd support, it wouldn't matter what day you did it. Yeah, really? yeah that, exactly. That, that part wouldn't, what you would have to do is you would have to craft the the day around what would work best logistically. Right now there's a lot of, a lot of great people that put super dirt week on and I know they could handle that challenge. Um, but, you wouldn't have to worry about the fans. No, yes, for the fans sure will be there.
1: Not at all. All right, the Steve. Always
8: is as as, as it looks like so far guys,
1: the fans will be there. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Always fun, Steve, and my hope is that when we bring you back next Monday, we are talking about something that is rare in Williams Grove annals. Four features scheduled and all of them get in. That is the narrative I want to paint. Don't know if it'll actually happen, but one can dream, right?
8: One can dream, and at this point in time, Jacob, I will give you three out of four.
1: Fair enough. (laughs) Steve Ovens, our national dirt track analyst here on the Madness. With that, we're going to step away and talk some drag racing when we come back. Straight Liners on the Madness on the Performance Motorsports Network. We're back in a minute.
2: HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World Truck teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America, featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Strope Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orca driver gear, lifeline fire systems, and even race com radio kits. HMS representatives are experts in their field and focused on only one thing making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in HMS Motorsport, visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent
5: you. Hi, this is John Androsic of Five for Fighting, here for Rad Hi, I'm Todd Gilliland, driver of number 16, now bought a parts Toyota Camry, and you're listening to Motorsports Madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network.
1: Oh, so yeah. yeah, that kid that you just heard, he's trying to win a championship at Dover this weekend. Friday, to yeah. be exact. Yeah, K&M Pro Series East for Todd Gilliland,
2: and really uh, in a good position to win it. I think his biggest uh. challenger will be Harrison Burton.
1: Yes. Basically, what it comes down to is this. All Todd has to do is finish third or better, which he's done yeah. a lot in the past two months, and he wins the title. But it's Dover. It is Dover, and there are going to be a lot of cars. In fact, See, I think
2: they should make him do what they did last year, just unload and race, no practice.
1: What that they, was because of rain. I don't care. It, it you should shook just running and go to run yeah, with your brung. Yeah, unload and unload. Wait, did they even qualify? I think qualifying I think so. got rained
2: yeah. out too, as so, a matter of fact. Basically, unloading. I think and it was just a race. run with your brung. Yeah, pretty much. Um, just unload and race, and that's that. That got some other guys up yeah. front that uh, don't normally race that way. But no, it's it's going to be really Todd's championship to lose at this point. I mean, I don't think. As long as he finishes in the top threes, and 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 honestly, with the way he has run over the last six weeks or so, uh, you know, I don't see him. I don't see Harrison beating him. I really don't. Yeah. I mean, anything can happen because it's Dover, but that's and that's a super speedway race for these guys. But I just don't see uh i don't see that happening this time. I think todd's got the consistency and especially coming off that really strong performance in the truck. I just think todd's basically in a good position here,
1: yeah, but strong at Loudon in a truck doesn't necessarily mean strong at no Dober but it's confidence it's That's confidence
2: fair. and confidence is momentum
1: now. Here's what I'm sad about when it comes to K&N, and I know I said we're going to talk about straightliners, and we are going to talk about straightliners here in a second, but I wanted to make this point because I was going through my notes for the K&N race at Dover, and I'm really, really disappointed. I, in fact, I'm, I'm super bummed. Over the past six years at Dover International Speedway, we have averaged 29 cars... For this K&N race, we have a sparse 17 on the entry list for this weekend, which I think, I I hate to be that guy, but I also do truly believe that the lack of field depth in this K&N race is going to be a big benefit for Todd in winning this championship on Friday afternoon. I really do.
2: Well, yeah, obviously uh, that's... There's less traffic.
1: <laughs> you not, know, it's, yeah, not only that, but there's less good cars that can take points away from it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just – it's really kind of strange what's happened to the K&N field. It's painful. Uh, it's, it, it really kind of is because last year the K&N Pro Series East was one of the most competitive series. And even though, you know, you had the H. Scott four-headed monster – You know, there were still a lot of good racing right through the field this year. We thought that you would see more More cars because, yeah, yeah, and it ended up that we've pretty much had a year where it's, It's for the most part, been Harrison Burton and now Todd Gilliland and Chase Purdy thrown in for good measure as Todd's teammate who clinched the Rookie of the Year Which, good on Chase. Yeah. Love that. Sure. But – you know, you've had flashes of brilliance from guys like Chase Cabry and occasionally one of the Bassets, but for the most part, this has been an off year, and I'm not sure. I know that some of it has to do with cost. They they spread the the series out this year, and I, I said that was a bad idea, taking them to uh, Memphis and taking them to Berlin too far, Um you know these a lot of these teams are are uh, drivers are you know more sort of east coast kind of but you know i don't know i don't know what what you do with it at at this point i don't know where how to make it come back but certainly 17 cars to end the season at dover you would think everybody would want to race dover well and in past years they have yeah so
1: So i don't know where the, the the I don't know where the problem is or how you fix it. Yeah, I really don't know what to do with that. Anyway, let's talk drag racing now because sure. I promised before the break we would do that. Tom, John Force Racing is on the right foot again, at least for the most part. It wasn't the best day in the world for them in the funny car ranks. However, the top fuel car, Roland Brittany Force, wins in the final round at Reading. Hello. May the force be with you. And it was, and it was too. Uh, Brittany was. won, Ashley
2: lost or uh, no, not, Courtney. Courtney. Sorry. Yeah. Wrong Brittany sister. Won, yeah, Wrong <laughs> sister. Brittany won, Courtney lost. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, you know, again, always cool to see anybody, any of the forces win. And, you know, I think John at this point hat just has to be so proud of those girls because sure. really both of them are doing very, very well. And when you, when you have a situation where you beat a Torrance or beat a Caps or even lose to a Caps, you've still had a great day. I mean, yeah. That's still a great day. And it shows you the depth, again, of the NHRA. And I'm glad to see that uh, Brittany actually jumped up and got a win in
1: PA. Yes, and you mentioned Courtney lost to Ron Caps yeah. in Reading in the final yeah. round. And Ron retook The points lead that Robert Heights so unceremoniously grabbed out from under his nose with the win at Charlotte. And that's seven on the year for Ron and and Napa know-how. And... Holy cow, Ron Caps has certainly shook off the whole best guy to never win a championship yeah. in the last two years, hadn't he? He won the championship last year, he's on pace to probably do it again, I mean, I will call him the favorite at this point, I really will. I think you have to,
2: I think you have to at this point, I think again, you look at the situation and it's his to lose, and I... I think it's fun to see somebody like Ron. That's why I love the NHRA because the NHRA is a series that to me is still very pure. It's still uh-huh. very unaffected by all the technology and, and, and all of that. That's sort of, I, I think, in one way tainted a lot of the other big yeah. national series. You have guys... Like Caps, who's been around forever. And John Force, who's like 77 years old. No, he's actually 69. Yeah, but I mean, you know, he's been around forever and they're still competitive and still can win races. And that's why I love NHRA because it's all about equipment and it's all about timing. And it's just who's the best on the day in a round. And one tenth of a second is the difference between winning and being eliminated, and that's I just think it's it's great to see somebody like caps who can still be so competitive uh, for as long as he 's been doing this
1: okay, sorry, any drag racing fans who just crucified me for paying attention to what I said John force is sixty eight okay I was 68. close. I was obviously having fun, but yeah. it, it, the idea being that I said sixty nine, and John would have whacked me upside the head for calling him older than he <laughs> actually
2: is. <laughs> well, he'd probably look at you and go. Some days I feel ninety. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's true. but it's it again. I just I think it's great. I just I love I love that form of racing yes. because of that. The you you get that mix of veterans, and now you're starting to get some youth into it.
1: Yes, of note in Top Fuel, Brittany close to within basically a round and change. She's only 23 points out of the top spot in third. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's held by Steve Torrance right now. So basically Steve, Kalitta, and Brittany Force are within a round for all intents and purposes. One round win is 20 points. So they're 22 and 23 points back respectively. Antron Brown and Tony Schumacher fourth and fifth in points, 51 and 85 back respectively. At this point with four to go, I'm getting a little concerned for those two They need to pick it up if they're going to have a shot at this. In Funny Car, Ron Capps retakes the points lead by an even slimmer margin over Robert Height. Eight points. I can hold up that many fingers. Hope so. (laughs) Yeah. Otherwise, you're missing a few. Well, I I hope I'm not missing (laughs) a few. Cisco, Pro Stock and Pro Stock Motorcycle. Winners get points leads. That's what we've learned. And the real hard hitter for uh, Pro Stock, at least, is as good a start as Tanner gray got off to in Charlotte, it was just as bad an ending in Reading.
5: Yeah. And, uh, Bo Butner was able to, uh, steal away that round in, uh, in round in the final round of that. And, uh, also, shout out to Greg Anderson, who also made it into that final round for those guys. Yep. And then over in the Pro Stock Motorcycles, Eddie Kraywick got another win. So good on that Indiana native to make it happen in Pro Stock Motorcycles. It'll be very interesting in the point standings. We're getting close to the endo, Jake. It's crunch time.
1: Yes, it is. Eddie Kraywick doing Eddie Kraywick things yes, and winning exactly. on the Harley for the third race in a row. I'll tell you what, ever since they debuted the new Street Rod Chassis, Tom, those Harleys have been just about unstoppable. Got that right. Whew. All right, so we're going to take our final break. Performance picks when we come back. I get to brag more about winning.
2: And you get to pick last.
1: Yes, I know, but it's okay because I already know who I'm picking, so I'm not worried about it. Motorsports Madness, white flag. After this, you're listening to PMN, the Performance
6: Motorsports Network. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds.
1: Hi, I'm Cole Custer, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Alrighty, welcome back to the Madness here on PMN. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Rents Brown, Cisco Scaramuza. Going into our white flag segment, talking racing and performance picks here on the Madness. And I'm bragging more about winning. I won. I beat you all. Ha, 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 ha. So you get picked last. Who's first? Cisco. Cisco's not here. Who's second? Oh, Cisco's not here. That means Rentz gets to go.
4: Okay. Sorry, Rents. Cisco's you... just, Cisco just can't listen to all your gloating. That's what happened there. Yeah, yeah that's okay. had to okay. step
1: out for a moment. That's okay. Go ahead, Rentser. All
4: right, let's see here. We got trucks, Xfinity, and Cup only this week, correct?
1: We no, have, we have F1 so, in yeah, Malaysia. Say, oh, yeah. that's Hello. right.
4: Form, that's right. Formula 1 in uh, a Peng. So I'm going to go F1 first to get that out of the way. Sebastian Vettel. Wins the race, sticking with the red train until they win the title. It's gonna happen. Stick on your horses, giddy up, guys. For the truck series, we're going to Dover, and I don't. Oh no, Las Vegas. Sorry, my bad. Uh, if we're gonna do this correctly, twenty-seven trucks. I'm gonna choose Johnny Solder to go to victory lane. Huh. So let's get that solder train rolling.
1: Okay. I pick
4: the twenty-one GMS truck in the Xfinity series. This guy's been fast all year. Give me William Byron to go to victory lane in Xfinity series. Lock himself into the next round. And for the Cup Series, final race of the first round. Hmm. Choices to make and people to choose. I'm going to choose the number 78 of Martin Truex Jr. to get the job done. There's just no picking around him right now. I've tried so long to say no, but you got to give in at some point. So, MTJ winner and probably stage winners as well this weekend
1: all right tom
2: well we'll start with f1 because that's easy lewis hamilton gets the job done in malaysia in the truck series we are racing at dover and uh or sorry at uh, las vegas which is a mile and a half track yeah. so we do mile and a half i things. wish the
1: trucks were racing at yeah, Dover. yeah me
2: too actually so it's a mile and a half track so mile and a half things get done and I'm going to agree with Wrench. Johnny Sauter gets the win in the truck series. In the Xfinity series, we've only got one real cup racer that I can see on the entry list who's moonlighting, and that's Ryan Blaney, who is going to be driving the 22 car this weekend. So you're going to pick Ryan Blaney? No, I'm absolutely not. I'm going to pick Cole Custer to get his first win, um, and come in here next Monday off of a victory at um, Dover. All right. In the... the Cup Series, well, it's Dover. So I believe what I see. I don't care what track it is. I'm picking a Toyota until somebody proves they can beat it. So here we go. The winner at Dover in the Cup Series is going to be none other than Kyle Busch. Big surprise.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay.
2: So we got Cisco back. He would go ahead of you.
1: Yes, he would.
5: All right. So I'm going to go F1. I'm going to agree with what I said earlier. Lewis Hamilton wins. Let's go to trucks. I'm looking at this entire season. When it comes to mile and a half, four truck for the win. Christopher Bell goes two in a row. Okay. Xfinity. When it comes to Xfinity, you know what? I'm going to buy into that CJR.
1: C-G-R. C-G-R. CGR, hello. Wow, letters. I'm asleep today. C-J-R. Letters, letters, letters.
5: CJR. I want to. I want to drive for that team. You know what? I'm gonna pick Brendan Poole. Nice. Oh. nice. And then for the Cup Series, because he won there this year already, and because he's been, he was running fifth last week. And 48. because
1: he's your favorite driver. Full disclaimer. Disclosure. Full
5: disclaimer. But it's Dover. I feel like he's due, and honestly, if I don't see him up in the top three, I'm going to start worrying. Mm-hmm. So, 48.
1: Jamie Johnson. Seven time.
2: Yep. Okay, so before you pick, let me correct myself because we've we, there's – Eric you're not allowed yeah. 20. Daniel Suarez in the 18 and Austin Dillon in the 2. So there are yeah, a few other cup guys in Yeah,
1: there. but but you sorry, you're not allowed to change your well, pick. Well, I'm not going to change
2: my pick. I just wanted to correct myself what I said earlier. There okay. are about four or five guys in the race yeah. that are Cup Moonlighters.
1: Yeah, the usual Cup Moonlighters who are either rookies or have little experience and Yeah, we don't have a you know,
2: we don't have any real
1: veterans like, in this ca- one. Well, yeah. yeah, because they're all ruled out. Yeah. Which is good. Yep. My turn. Holy crap, it's been a while. I've almost forgotten how to pick last. (laughs) Formula One in Malaysia. It's their sponsor's race. Duh. Lewis Hamilton. This is not hard, people. Truck Series at Las Vegas. I've hemmed and hawed about this all week. And... I'm going to shock you guys. No, you're not. No? Who do you think I'm going to pick? I like? don't
2: know, but you're not going <laughs> to shock me.
1: Yeah, I will. It's not going to be a playoff guy that wins this race.
2: Well, unless it's Jennifer Joe Cobb, you're still not going to shock me. <laughs> okay. Are you
4: Are you going to go with the hometown boy?
1: Absolutely, <laughs> I am. <laughs> Noah Gregson brooks the That's trend and wins his first not truck race. I say he's irritated after the run that got away at Loudoun, I say the home crowd motivates him. Oh, by the way, he won a race at the Bull Ring a couple weeks ago. So he's already proven he can win in front of his hometown fans. So he's going to flip the switch and win the truck race. That was, <laughs> That was really awful. That's really what, awful. I mean, it, like you, play
3: the you
4: expect him to win? Me. Yeah. He, by the That's way, he, job.
1: he did win. He did win the poll at Vegas's sister track out in Texas earlier this yeah. year. So there's that too. All right, Xfinity race. Rents, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Daniel Suarez win this race in the playoffs last year? Suarez dominated the race because Kyle Busch couldn't run it because it was it was a doubleheader that day. That's right. And Suarez.
4: Took him to the woodshed, which led him to his championship.
1: And he is scheduled in the same car in which he won this race a year ago. That, to me, tells me all I need to know. Daniel Suarez wins the Cup Light race. I wanted to pick Cole Custer until Tom did it. Well,
2: that doesn't mean you still can't.
1: Yeah, but I need to make up points, and I can't do that by picking the same person as you. Well, that's true. I, and, and I honestly believe Suarez is going to win the race, frankly. Uh, as far as the Cup Series goes, thank you, Cisco, because two of us at this table are going to agree. As You're going
5: to agree with me?
1: Yes, I is am. I this
5: the first I, time in Madness history that you've agreed <laughs> with my pick?
1: Yes, it is. But you know why? As long as there is a Monster Mile and as long as there is a 48 Lowe's car with Jimmy Johnson... I will continue to believe that Jimmy Johnson is the favorite at Dover until somebody beats him. I do not care about the Toyotas. I do not care that he got shuffled back at the end of Loudon. Jimmy Johnson is the king of Dover, is the king of Dover, is the king of Dover. And he beat the Toyotas in the spring. Enough said. That was
2: before the Toyotas got hot.
1: I don't care. It's still Dover and it's still Jimmy Johnson. All right, lightning round. First question: Name the four. Name your four picks to be below the cut line and to get eliminated this weekend. Cisco, Kurt Busch, Casey Kane,
5: Ryan Newman, Chase Elliott.
1: Whoa! Wow! Wow! Ranch. Wow. Wow. Yeah, wow. Chase Elliott.
4: Okay, so Kurt and Kane are gone regardless. I don't think they're going to make that big of a comeback. No, and neither of them are going to
1: win. I'm
4: going to throw Ryan Newman into the mix. Okay. And I'm going to throw Austin Dillon into the fire. I think Ricky Stenhouse Jr. makes it out
1: of the first round.
4: Because currently right now, he's on the bubble.
1: I agree with that too. But you're going to see where my surprise elimination comes in in a minute, Tom.
2: Okay. Uh so we're going to say Casey Kane. Uh-huh. We're going to say Kurt Bush. Uh-huh. Ryan Newman. Uh-huh. I don't think uh you know what? I'm going to take I'm going to throw a surprise out Kevin Harvick. You think oh. he
1: loses that many points?
2: I don't think I don't think he'd be, I think Harvick and Blaney are the two I would watch if there's a surprise because okay. I think you either of those sure. two I think McMurray does well enough and I think Stenhouse does well enough to get the, you know Harvick's only, not having a lot of luck and No but is
1: that's half a race is worth of yeah. points well, I mean he it's, was It's Dover it is so so basically over. you're saying that Harvick's either going to crash out or have a freak mechanical failure I'm like what Johnson had a flyer had. that this
2: may okay. – yeah he, I mean look what happened the other day
1: True. He blew up last, last year in day. this race. Yeah, that's so. true. I forgot about that. All right, my turn. My four out, Kurt Busch, Casey Kane, Ryan Newman, and I'm going to go with the guy that tradition is in right now but traditionally finds a way to fall out every year at Dover. McMurray? Jamie McMurray, yep. Wow. I say, I say McLovin loses his nine-point buffer and misses out. That would be McNugget.
4: McNugget, McMuffin, McMuffin, <laughs> McMuffin,
1: Big, <Cafe. laughs> I thought it was Mc Big Cafe. Mac, whatever. <laughs> yeah. All right, rents, go, bail us out. All right,
4: guys, <laughs> out of the bubble drivers, this is a walk-off question. We've already said who would get knocked out, but we haven't said who might have the strength and the muscle to get themselves in. Okay. Out of the guys that are on the bubble or close to it, who has the best chance of a walk-off to make it in to the second round? Cisco, who you got?
2: Walk off, as in win? No, no as just advance. You're in. Oh, as in win. That's and what you're I in. thought he meant. Wow. Yeah, okay. win
4: and you're in. Who's got the walk off chance, Cisco?
5: Um, and it's uh, it has to be someone on the bubble.
4: On the bubble, close to it or below it?
5: Kevin
2: Harvick.
4: He's done it before. Tom.
2: Um, uh, <laughs> gotta go with Kurt Busch. Dover's best track for him, but I don't think he. I don't think anybody does it.
1: Yeah, I'm with Tom. I don't believe anybody does it. I think the only guys that really have a real shot at winning are guys who are already well on their way to being in the round of 12. Just saying, Rents. I think
4: I'm going to choose Casey Kane, and for this reason only. (laughs) What? Hold on. He has nothing to lose. He's at the (laughs) bottom of the barrel, Darian Grubb, has gambled before, and his gamble turned into a championship in 2011. Not saying they can repeat the same magic, but what do they have to lose in order to run a reverse strategy than anyone else, Cisco? I think the five cars got a great shot because, to be honest with you, the Case of Kahn's got nothing to race for with Hendrick Motorsports past this race, really, if you think about it, if he makes it out, if he doesn't make it out.
5: Yeah, yeah he does. no, I'll, I'll agree with you there, but I have to wonder, going through the history of the Cup Series, how many times this year and last year we said, oh, he's got nothing to lose, he'll win this race, and then it didn't happen. Yeah,
1: well, it's not not going to happen. Not going to happen. Nope, nope, just saying. That's a checkered flag, oh, by the way. So, we're getting out of here thanks to Mike Garrity, Megan Kolb, our social media partners at 3 Wide Life, as well as Bob Steele, Susan Mason, Hunter Yancey behind the glass, and all the folks at PMN that keep us on the air. Some days I wonder why they do. But, hey, at least we made it entertaining <laughs> tonight. So, for Tom Baker, Rens, Francisco, Scaramuza, Steve Ovens, and all the rest of our staff, I'm Jacob Sewell reminding you to keep it off the wall, and we might just see you at a racetrack somewhere. Folks, have a safe racing weekend Till we meet again.
0: You've been listening to Motorsports Madness with the Race Chaser Online crew. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. Motorsports Madness is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network. www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section in the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co hosts, and guests. And do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the madness returns on Monday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, keep it off the wall and keep the shiny side up.